0: It's very special time in our service together, um, which we've got, because it recognises Jesus Christ. Uh, it's the time where we recognise what Jesus has done for us, but we do it together as the body. Um, we're going to be taking uh, the bread and the fruit of the vine shortly. But I, I want to start by reading uh, a passage from Ezekiel chapter 16. Uh, Verses 1 to 14. And after this passage, uh, Chid will then share some of her thoughts uh, around this. To give you some context while you're looking for the passage. um, God saw Israel as an unfaithful wife in this passage. He saw her reveling in idol worship and false gods partaking in the sins of Egypt and the nations around her. And God rejected Israel. But he promised to establish again his covenant with her. This was completed through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Let us read the passage. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations, And say, thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your origin and your birth are from the land of the Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. As for your birth, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water for cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in cloths. No, eye looked with pity on you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for you were, you were abhorred on the day you were born. When I passed by you and saw you squirming in your blood, I said to you, while you were in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you, while you were in your blood, Live. I made you numerous like plants of the field. Then you grew up, became tall, and reached the age for fine ornaments. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. Then I passed by you and saw you, and behold, you were at that time for love, so I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. I also swore to you and entered into a covenant with you, So that you became mine, declares the Lord God. Then I bathed you with water, washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I also clothed you with embroidered cloth and put sandals of porpoise skin on your feet. And I wrapped you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your hands and a necklace around your neck. I also put a ring in your nostril, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your dress was of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, and oil, so you were exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. Then your fame went forth among the nations on account of your beauty, For it was perfect because of my splendor, which I bestowed on you, declares the Lord God.
1: Um, So I remember reading this passage uh, back in October 2015. Um, I remember tears rolling down my eyes as I read about the love of a merciful Saviour. I was deeply impacted by the state of one kicking about in blood because I saw me. I saw not just my hands stained in blood, but all of me. I saw my sexually impure self, idolatrous, angry, jealousy, selfish, envious self. I saw my helpless, insecure, and lonely self, chids without her true love, my merciful saviour. I remembered how he covered me. I remember when I became his. I remembered his beautiful beautiful plan for this. I remembered how I needed to be cleaned up, how he covered me with fine linen and costly garments, <clears throat> how I had been covered in my merciful Savior's blood, how this pleased him. I remembered the strangers in the church who took me in and made me family. I remembered that I was lost. I thanked God that I was found, that the splendour that he had given me made my beauty perfect. But I don't always remember, just like the people of Jerusalem. Recently, I've come back to this scripture, as it's been a battle not not only to remember this, but to accept it. I felt anxious as I thought about losses and pains, which have led to growing temptations to clean myself up. The anxiety often rises as I think of bringing others into full view of chids, like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. For people to see fragile, insecure, emotional chids. Chids who longs to be embraced, to be known, and miraculously still loved. Chids who is in need of others to patiently remind me, time after time, that it is well. I was lost. So my merciful saviour put on a crown of thorns so I could wear a beautiful crown. His body was disfigured so I could become very beautiful and rise to be a queen. He found me whilst I was an unclean mess and he chose me. I became his and through that I became all of yours. Him choosing me means I became part of the best family ever, his family, perfectly united by his blood. I'm in awe of his mercy. I'm in awe of the cross because it's where justice, love and my merciful Savior meet with me in mind. What do you remember with deep thankfulness about your merciful Savior? Speaking to a few people about this passage, I love the different aspects that catch our eye and hit our hearts as we reflect on our merciful Savior.
0: Let us bow our heads in prayer. Thank you, Father Lord, uh, for giving us this bread today. Uh, We take this bread in remembrance of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. Amen. Father, Lord, we thank you for the fruit of the vine that's being passed around as we take it, Lord. Help us to remember your son, Jesus Christ, whose blood was spilled for us. Amen. For a dream of your life, I can face a day without some time to pray. I sing this song to say.
2: to the church here, whenever it does happen. We have been going through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, that's been uh, a real joy, uh, a real refreshment, I know, to me and my faith, and hopefully to you as well. We're going to uh, be taking a break from the Gospel of Luke in the month of April and exploring uh, the subject, obviously, I've already given it away, of uh, prayer. Uh, it's a great logo. I don't think Zach Williams he designed that logo for us for our, for our campaign theme And we're going to have some invites out uh, next weekend uh, to invite our friends out for our Easter service coming up. And just to really be talking to people about what we're learning from God's word uh, about prayer. Uh... Just a quick reminder, uh, this Friday we are back here, uh, for a 7.30 start time to try to arrive at 7.15. We will continue our Disciple Makers course together. We were a bit disjointed in March because of Women's Day. Uh, but that will pick up, uh, next, uh, this coming Friday here at 7.30. And, uh, we will have our first quiz if you want to graduate from the course. Uh, so those of you who want to graduate, you don't have to. Uh, the quiz will be on the Word of God and seeking God's Scriptures. Uh, but hopefully everyone can make it Friday at 7.30 uh, The following Friday we are not able to meet here, they're closed for Good Friday uh, So we're trying to find a Wednesday location and we're going to try to have a Wednesday midweek as a church We used to do every Wednesday midweeks as a church a while back and we've gotten away from that obviously for different reasons uh, But we're going to go ahead and try to have a Wednesday midweek, uh, not this week but the next um, And uh, we will try to find a location, we haven't been able to figure that out yet so by this Sunday we'll know where we will be a week from Wednesday. So Friday we're here, uh, and then a week from this Wednesday we'll be hopefully somewhere in a location to be determined. And if I've totally confused you, talk to me later. Um, as I said, we're gonna be studying that prayer for the next few Sundays as a church. Uh when the word uh you hear the word prayer, lots of things, of course, uh come to mind. And I apologize, I'm having a very tough time with the clicker today. Um you know, prayer—so uh, many things uh, that it involves uh, with just who God is, how God has revealed Himself, how we can explore those attributes and qualities of God, how it relates to our spiritual lives, how it relates to one another, how it relates to the world that we live in, how it relates to, to our daily practices as Christians. And so it's a very—it's a very vivid subject. We certainly will not cover everything that we could cover in just four sermons um, on it. Uh, but prayer is a very vivid thing. I've been studying it out for the last few months, reading different books, and I encountered uh, this lovely poem uh, by George Herbert, who's a a British poet. You may or may not know him from the 17th century. And it's written, uh, you know, in older English, but I think it it gives these 12 word pictures, if you will, trying to get us to grasp uh, the depth and the width and the enormity uh, that prayer is. It goes, prayer, the church's banquet angel's age, God's breath in man returning to his birth, the soul in paraphrase, heart in pilgrimage, the Christian plummet sounding heaven and earth, engine against the Almighty, sinner's tower, reversed thunder, Christ's side piercing spear, the six days world transposing in an hour, a kind of tune which all things hear and fear. Softness and peace and joy and love and bliss. Exalted manna, gladness of the best. Heaven in ordinary, man well-dressed. The Milky Way, the bird of paradise. Church bells beyond the stars heard. The soul's blood, the land of spices. Something understood. Let's pray. Father, we cannot begin to really comprehend you, who you are, who we are praying to, and even what we're doing even right now as we speak to this amazing creator and author of our faith. Uh, Yet we try to grasp at it as uh, the prayer we just read, uh, poem we just read does, God, uh, that it is like a banquet. It is God's breath in man returning to his birth. It plummets heaven and earth together. It's like a piece of music. It's like a strong feeling like joy and love. It's like that exalted manna that the Old Testament referred to. It's like exploring the Milky Way galaxy. It's like encountering something vivid like a land of spices. And yet it is something that we can understand. Help us, God, in our time of exploration through your word and our time of praying together as a church this month to better understand the power, the hope, the joy, the peace, the transformation that we can have simply through speaking to you. We pray you can use our study today and your word to do just that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. That is not the last time we've been praying together here in the next few minutes, so uh, be ready. I'm excited, I hope you are too, to spend a month learning about prayer. Uh, But most important as we learn is to go out and do something with what we learn. And so as a church, every Sunday we're going to have a practical challenge to go out this weekend and and live out in some way, shape, or form what we learn from God's Word on Sunday. So I'll give you your practical challenge here at the end, but you've got to sit to the sermon first. So here we go. I cannot write you a poem. I, I am not a poet and I know it. But let's look at four, you know, four exciting Ideas from the scripture with a modern view that can hopefully inspire us uh, this week uh, to go after our prayer life. The first here is that prayer is a portal. Prayer is a portal. Ephesians 1, 15-18, Paul, through his letters, he shares different prayers, right? And he shares about this, this prayer that he's been praying for the church in Ephesus. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then he tells us what that is. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people. So here in Ephesians 1, 15-18, we have a little window or portal right into what, what Paul prayed for uh, in the church in Ephesus. And we can see, you know, one of the most important things that Paul often prayed about was not that they would have less persecution or more money in their pockets or better jobs or a better life. He he prayed simply that they would know him better. That was what Paul prayed. That was of the utmost importance. That he, he wanted to share that. That That's what I'm praying for you guys in Ephesus 4. Not that you'll do this or you'll do that. But just that you'll know God better. And so he goes on to pray in verse 18. then that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. Heart here is not referring to the physical, you know... Uh, vesicle with four chambers that pumps blood throughout our bodies uh, inside of us right now. is referring to, to our, our, our soul, our, our inner man, our, our inner woman. Uh, the thing that, that reasons and, and, and move, gets moved and makes decisions in our lives. That's what the Greek word uh, is, is more about here. Uh, and of course, it doesn't have eyes. Uh, but, but it's this idea of, of getting it. That we, deep inside of us, get. We get something. So that's what he's saying when he prays that the eyes of their heart will be Enlightened. That they would understand, as they know God better, what that actually means. And they would get a little taste, he says there toward the end of the prayer, of, of the hope and the riches and the glory that God has already given, already given His people. And so prayer is a, is a portal, primarily a portal to, to see more clearly God Almighty. To understand more clearly who God is, and if we know that God, what that means for us. So in that sense, it's quite simple, right? Uh, but that is the challenge oftentimes, because we can go to prayer and not really experience that and not really feel that. But perhaps it's because we're not really looking for what we should be looking for as we go to God in prayer. The thing we should be looking for, first and foremost, is God Himself. You know, this shows that, that a prayer for a fuller knowledge of God is more important than praying for certain circumstances. Certainly in Scripture, Paul does that. He prays for circumstances and situations, and there's nothing wrong uh, with doing that. But this is of the utmost importance. And, and and think about it, because if life is going good, you know, life is great, if we don't really see God clearly, we can become arrogant. We can think that that's something that we accomplish rather than a blessing that God provided. And then on the flip side, if life is going really bad and horrid and terrible, well, then we can get very discouraged and we can lose all hope. And we can even want to no longer live because we we can't see God in the midst of all the despair and the challenges. And so we lose trust and hope uh, in life if we don't clearly, again, see God. Uh, Timothy Keller wrote a great book uh, called Prayer. Uh, That I've been rereading recently. And he talks about this uh, message from Paul to the church at Ephesus. And he says, Paul's main concern then is for their public and private prayer life. He believes that the highest good is communion or fellowship with God. A rich, vibrant, consoling, hard-won prayer life is the one good that makes it possible to receive all other kinds of goods rightly and beneficially. He does not see prayer as merely a way to get things from God, but as a way to get more of God himself. And so prayer is a portal for the most important thing in life that we we can grasp hold of more firmly and clearly, God himself. And if this this is so, then so much of our life, and so much of our spiritual life, especially for Christians, will rise or fall... As we as we pray to know God better, as we strive in prayer to understand God more clearly. We oftentimes come from the other end, though. We we come in with our our, our, our woes and our worries and our struggles and our fears and, and we focus on those things quite quite quickly in prayer, oftentimes, and, and quite quickly that's what our prayers become about. And so we haven't been transformed because we haven't actually seen the God we brought those things to. We haven't been changed because we haven't actually experienced that that, that that God knows what's going on in our life already and wants to help us through it or wants to help us to find another way. And so oftentimes when we go away from prayer and we don't feel changed, it's because we've, we've missed the whole point of it. That is to go back to, to who God is clearly in Scripture and what that means for our lives. Prayer is much more about getting more of God than getting things from God. Prayer is a portal. And I'm going to ask Scott Wakefield to pray for that for us at this time.
0: God, Thank you that you are a to us. Uh, we don't need a username or password. We don't need a battery or exception. We can pray at any time. God. Yeah. And uh, pray that you can help us this coming week to uh, really seek foremost to know you in prayer as opposed to ask you or to... Um, uh, to, to go through the concerns
2: that we have about these In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Prayer is a portal. Prayer is a holiday. This is, of course, an analogy. But it's an analogy that's very relevant to us today. Because we live in a, in, a, in a time that life is very busy. And we, and we live so busy and so hurried that we have to actually get away from our normal life... To feel rested and to feel peace and to feel, you know, relaxation again. Um, and, and, and that's sadly sometimes the only way we can sometimes find, if we're that busy and that hurried, that kind of peace and that kind of rest. And and I think God is okay with the idea of a holiday. I, you know, the, God did work for six days and then he took a rest on the Sabbath day. And then he commanded his people in the Old Testament to do the same. And so we don't need to feel guilty about taking a holiday. That's not, you know, not where I'm going with this. But. Um, nor say, well, I don't need to go on vacation because I prayed. I'm not, I'm not saying that. You know, recently our family went to Las Palmas um, and Grand Canary Island for, for a few nights uh, to get away, uh, mostly from the winter. And, uh, and and it was lovely. We went there for a few nights, and we were very, very uh, fortunate to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, we, we, we loved it. It was relaxing. The weather was great. The, the people were awesome. And we were in this restaurant toward the end of our time. And um, and the, and the owner, I, I picked up. all he speaks English very well because not many people did. And uh, so we start talking to him, and, and, and we're bragging about the place. And he's like, "Ah, oh, this place is rubbish." He's like, "Oh no, you, you, you got you to go down to, got to go down to um, uh, Gammon." You know, all, I'm sorry, Mogan, Mogan. You got to go down to Mogan. You know, way down on the south coast. This, and so, so I started thinking, this, this is just kind of funny. Like he lives here, and he doesn't think this is a holiday. He says, "You know, you got to go down to the south coast to get the holiday." You know, in, in Mogan. And so holiday is in the eye of the beholder, apparently. To some degrees, um, but but it's interesting. You know, the average UK family of four on a two weeks overseas holiday will spend nearly five thousand pounds. It's estimated, and that's a pre-Brexit figure. So that's probably gone up. I got this figure before. You know, the, the pound dropped um, in my research. It's probably gone up to six thousand. You know, I, I don't know, but uh, but the amount of money and effort and time that we will put in to literally going somewhere else. To relax and rest and, and feel restored. It, it, it's sometimes a bit funny because if you go to the Bible, it says we can actually have this for free. Through prayer. Right? Philippians 4, 6-7. Paul says there, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul says here, anything that stresses us out, anything that causes anxiety, if you take all of those situations, because it says anything in every situation, and, and by prayer and petition... You know, the action of prayer and the asking of things before God with thanksgiving, which is an attitude of gratitude, right? Then you present those, those things to God, to, to, to the God that we talked about in the first point, right? He says, then it's possible that, that that God can give you His peace. The peace of God can then come. And this peace of God, it transcends all understanding, and that peace of God will, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So again, I'm not saying we can't go on a literal holiday. But this passage says there's something incredibly soothing. Incredibly stress relieving. Amazingly satisfying. Like my family laying on that sunny beach beach. In Grand Canaria. That kind of feeling. Can come over us. And be completely in us. And we can be completely full of that. By simply praying. To God. About whatever it is. That is weighing us down. And we've all experienced this in our prayer lives. I'm sure if you've been praying for a while. I can recall a time. I was a younger minister then. And. uh, uh, We had a. A member move in from another church. His wife was not a part of our church. She had studied the Bible with, with the previous church that she was in. And she, she had some, some mental challenges. And they weren't sure if she could really comprehend fully uh, what the gospel was calling her to. And she very much wanted to be a part of the church. And so they just kind of left it at that. And we, they had just moved in. And we had talked about it a little bit over dinner. Uh, I think once, my wife and I and the and couple. And, and then I get a phone call from the husband. His wife has died. She's 38 years old, they have two two kids. He was shocked. I was shocked. We were all shocked. It just happened so fast. And it came out of nowhere. And they still don't exactly know what happened uh, to this day. But I remember, you know, having to help the husband through the shock and the grief and the, the the incredible loss. And, you know, and he was he was thirty-eight as well, and and and, and He's got his two boys, and the meeting with her family who didn't believe in God, and, and their shock, and their grief, and their loss, and and then being asked to do the funeral, and I, I barely knew the woman. I didn't really even know her spiritual state before God. I couldn't say anything confidently about that, you know, and so I remember, you know, as a young minister, just being so anxious, overwhelmed with anxiety about how am I supposed to, to short this thing? And we're out in this little church, you know, five, five hours away from an eldership. I, I, it was on me, you know, and so I just remember thinking i better start praying and fasting. So for days I prayed and fasted and, and, and it was amazing. It was amazing the peace and the confidence and the conviction that I had through that whole process from dealing with the husband and the, and, and the family sensitively and graciously and caringly and, and preaching a sermon at that funeral and you know going to the graveside and, and, and you know I, I've never felt such confidence as a minister. To be honest. In any other situation I've ever been in. And that's probably the toughest situation I've ever been in. But it's because it, it wasn't me. It wasn't the situation. It was the peace of God in me. That allowed me to do something I don't think I ever could have done on my own. You know, and, and you have your own stories, I'm sure. You've had your own experiences. You've really had a, a prayer life with God like like Philippians 4 talks about. Where God has given you that strength and that peace and that stability that that nothing in this life Could have offered you. You know the peace of God can come. No matter what we're going through. The peace of God can come. No matter what is before us. But we've got to go to our God in prayer with thanksgiving. And allow him to change us. Allow him to give us that peace. Allow him to to, to take us to that place. In prayer we can escape. We can relax. We can rest. We can unwind. We can be fulfilled. We can be at peace. Prayer. Prayer. Is a holiday. Geraldine will pray for us at this time. Thank you. Prayer is a holiday. Let's go on holiday every day this week. Amen. Prayer is a conversation as well. Prayer is a conversation. Do you ever feel uh, sometimes when you're praying that you're talking to the wall? You're just shouting out some words into the air or just speaking to yourself? You ever, get, or at least get tempted to feel that way? I know I do sometimes. Well, that's obviously the work of Satan, uh, clearly. Because that's not true, but I think it's also, uh, based on a lack of understanding of what is going on and why we actually are praying, uh, at that time. Um, you know, God is revealed in scripture is, is three persons in one, right? We call it the trinity today. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, of course, he, he brought all this into focus. Um, And he refers to uh, himself and and, and God the Father and God the Son several times in, in, in the Gospel of John. In John 16, he refers to the Holy Spirit. In verses 13 to 14, he says, "...but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will speak not on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come." He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And Jesus is speaking to the apostles here, and many uh, theologians believe about canonized scripture, right, and that which we're using today, this this final revelation of the truth that came through uh, the New Testament. Um, but this was, this happens, Jesus says, it's going to happen through a process of him, Jesus uh, the Son, God the Son, speaking to the Holy Spirit, you know, God the Holy Spirit. So this will be a part of a conversation, right? And then and then again, if you go over to John 17, he's referring now to God the Father. And John 17, uh, verse 5, he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Then jump down to verse 8. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you. And they believed that you sent me. So so within the Trinity, there has has always been words and communication. The Father speaks to the Son. The Son speaks to the Spirit. The Spirit speaks to the Father. And so on. And you could go all the way back, right, to, to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, where it actually says, let us make man in our image on the sixth day. The Trinity is speaking to one another about creating humanity. And so communication is an integral part of the God of the Bible. And so God's word, God's word, is is one and the same with him. And you, again you go back to Genesis, God speaks, it is. He says, let there be light, there's light. Now if I said that today, let the lights be off so we don't have to go hit the switch it's not quite the same right It's not quite the same. but God's word, in other words God's word and, and, and what it means is it's inseparable it's, a, it's all together. you know we, we disobey God's word we're disobeying him right they're, they're, they're inseparable their words, communication are very much a part of the nature of God. And so if we think about that, it changes very quickly our viewpoint of why we should pray. Because it's like, well, why does God want me to talk to him? He already knows everything. He already knows what's going to happen. He already knows what's in my heart. Why do I need to speak to him? Because that's how relationships develop and are formed. And what's quite interesting, that that's even how you know how to talk to God about anything. Because he's already talked to you and I. Eugene Peterson talks about this. He says... Because we learned language so early in our lives, we have no memory of the process and would therefore imagine that it was we who took the initiative to learn how to speak. However, that is not the case. Language is spoken into us. We learn language only as we are spoken to. We are plunged at birth into a sea of language. Then slowly, syllable by syllable, we acquire the capacity to answer. Mama, Papa, Bottle. Blanket yes, no. Not one of these words was a first word. All speech is answering speech. We were all spoken to before we spoke. So it brings up a very important question, right? Where where are words and the capacity to pray put into us? From our study of God's word. And so prayer is very important and vital, but we have to be careful in prayer not to make it about us and our feelings and our emotions. Yes, God wants us to give those things to him. The Psalms are full of such statements of emotion and feeling and passion. But we have to make sure that our prayer is grounded in what's already been revealed in Scripture. God has already spoken to us through his word. And so our prayer lives... Will rise or fall in some sense based on our understanding of the scriptures. so if you're not having a great prayer life, it might be it, it might be conversely because of a lack of great Bible study and passion for God's word. That's not always the case, but that could be a breakthrough in your prayer life is actually really using the scriptures and what they're teaching you to then speak back to God about those truths about Him. And so it's kind of a different way of looking at prayer, but I think it's a very important and biblical insight here uh, that, that I think can really help us uh, to really realize that, 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 that we're, just, we're just bringing out as we pray to God what God's already put into us. And, and prayer is very much you know, a medium in which we can, we can explore that more and more and more, the depth and the rich and the wisdom of God's word it is poured into us as we study it as we hear it preached and then and then as we pray we get to we get to kind of understand that and experience it and work it out more and more into our lives and into this world. So prayer is much more about truth discovery than self discovery. It is bringing out and grasping what God has already put into us and in life through his word. And so really a good quiet time is a good conversation between us and God, based on the truths He has revealed in Scripture, prayer is a conversation. We don't have to. We don't have to, to to sit there and say, "I don't know what to say to God." God's already spoken so much to us through His Word that we can then uh, bring out as we pray to Him uh, and we pray to our God. And right now, we'll do uh, just that with Chris Vasey uh, leading us in a word of prayer about conversation. Let's pray.
1: communicate through the Scripture, through the Bible, exactly who we are and how we should be, Father. You know, you being down to who you are, Father. You know, we were made by the people, Father, who already understood your word, Father, and, you know, we became disciples because of that. And I pray, Father, that through your church, Father, through preaching the Scriptures that we have, through our prayer, through our constant intercession with you, Father, through our conversation with you, that we, in the church, Amen. Thank you.
2: And lastly here uh, this evening, prayer, prayer is a partnership. Prayer is a partnership. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting uh, as you look at the way the Spirit is mentioned in, with prayer, the Holy Spirit. Um, in Ephesians six eighteen, Jude 20, you can write those down and, and look at them later. It, it, it calls us to pray in the Spirit. And that's a capital S referring to uh, the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6.18 has the Spirit. Jude 20 says, pray in the Holy Spirit. It literally has the whole uh, the whole title there. Um, but what does this mean, right, it, it is a very interesting question. The Holy Spirit is a very mysterious part of the Godhead uh, to me. I'm still trying to understand the Holy Spirit as I get older. Um, well, I think Romans 8.26 and 27 gives us some great insight for sure as to what it definitely is. Uh, When we pray in the Spirit. Uh, Paul says there to the church in Rome in Romans 8 verse 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So even, according to this passage, even when we pray on our own, we're not praying on our own. As a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit. And so if we're a Christian, we're not ever praying on our own. We have a built-in prayer partner in the Holy Spirit. And that's pretty exciting to think about for a second. Whenever you meet up with someone else and you pray with them, I think probably nine times out of ten, it's always a better prayer time. There's something about that, that that living energy spiritually with another person, whether it's, it's you could be anything, sharing your faith, you know, uh, fasting, whatever. But, but something about prayer partners is really invigorating in, in our prayer lives. So that's going to be one of the practicals, I think that's next week or the week after, is to ha- have a prayer partner every day for a week. And that might transform our prayer lives just, just by itself. Um, but, but truth be told, even when we pray by ourselves, we're not praying by ourselves. According to Romans 8, the Spirit is praying with us. And specifically, what is it doing while well, it's helping us in our prayers? Uh, you know, what exactly, you know, is this help? How, you know, how, how is how is this working? Well, it says here, when we don't know what to pray in Romans 8, it says that, that, that the Spirit somehow intercedes. Uh, perhaps that means... Uh, the Spirit, you know, is a deposit guarantee in our inheritance. It's it's in us as believers, so perhaps that means the Spirit gives us the words and, and, and takes our thoughts and feelings and allows us to convey those words to God. So it's helping us to to craft our prayers, perhaps. We don't really know exactly uh, the limits or exactly what what, what it is. Literally means, but that's, that's, that's one idea. Uh, you know, uh, R. Kent Hughes said this. He said, apart from the Spirit's assistance, our prayers are limited by our own reason and intuition. But with the Holy Spirit's help, they become informed by heaven. So that's one idea. You know, maybe another idea is that He even prays for us when we're just too weak to pray. He intercedes, it says, through wordless groans. And that's an interesting phrase. Um, it's been changed over time in the NIV. Um, you know, well, it doesn't make sense that the Holy Spirit wouldn't, wouldn't be able to cultivate words to God. Um, it does make more sense that we wouldn't always know how to cultivate words to God. Um, but somehow the Holy Spirit works with, with our life. Somehow it's a combination. So it's not the Holy Spirit's doing it all. We're doing it all. It's some kind of combination of us and the Holy Spirit every time we pray to God. And that's pretty exciting if you want to think about that for a moment. Because, you know... Sometimes we feel weak, we feel inadequate, and, and oftentimes if we're going before a holy God, who are we even to speak to Him? Well, amen. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has opened up that opportunity. The blood of Jesus allows us to have a complete relationship with God. We no longer have to go to the temple and make sacrifices through priests. Our high priest sacrificed himself for our sins so we can approach our God with confidence and freedom. And that's an amazing gift. Uh, that, that 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 That's an amazing gift. But even then, with all that freedom, we can go to God and still feel like, oh, the bad day. yeah, God, yeah. You know, we just, we can, we can, we, we can stumble. We, we don't know what to say. We don't know what to pray. We can pray and, and, and we feel lost. Maybe I'm the only one who prays this way, but, but perhaps you can relate. But what, what's exciting is, 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 is in that weakness, it's a great opportunity to discover how much God is with us. You know, when I was in year seven, are the year sevens in here today? Any year seven students? Any year seven students? Ruby, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, the year sevens are in here. When I was in year seven... Uh, you know, I, I was I was kind of in that in between stage of you know becoming a full man and was no longer a boy and it was kind of awkward for me and you guys are not awkward at all you guys are awesome but I was awkward and uh, and, and and somehow I managed to to and I was I was a lost pagan I I decided to have a girlfriend because that was the cool thing to do and don't do that that's like a waste of your time don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend until much later but anyway I was stupid and I was lost and wasn't growing up in the church, and so I, so I had this girlfriend, and her name was Krista, and you know, we, and I, I think we held hands at the end of the last period once a week, that was all it was, and uh, you know, Chris and I dated for a little while, and then she broke up with me, and that was fine, because it didn't mean anything anyway, and <laughs> and then, and then I was at, I was at the Friday night, uh, American football match, that's what we did in my hometown, you we went to the football match every Friday, you know, the American football match, and uh, it was, you know, it was like a, a an English football match here, and, uh, you know, so I was there at the, you know, with my awkward self at the football match cheering for the, you know, American football team, and, and I look over, you know, and, and this guy, this guy J.J. is staring at me with this death stare, and he's, J.J. was one of those guys, you know, he he had like a mustache in, in year seven, he he shouldn't have been there, in other words, he's, he kept, he kept getting held back in grade, you know, and so, and I was just like, why, why is he looking at me like that? And I, I started getting really nervous, and, and, and unbeknownst to me, I find out from, 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 from one of my friends that J.J. and Krista had started dating. So she, Krista was now, my old girlfriend was now J.J.'s girlfriend. And so J.J. I guess was mad at me over something about Krista, and so he says over one of, his, one of his boys, and he says, Oh, J.J.'s going to beat you up after the game for looking at Krista. And I thought, I wasn't looking at Krista, you know, tell him I wasn't looking at Krista and oh no, he's going to get you, you know, and so JJ's like, you know, making threats at me from across the stands, and and, and I was just overwhelmed in my awkwardness, and my, my youth, and I didn't know what to do, and so I just ran out of the stadium, I just ran down the steps crying, just tears rolling down my face, it was a very sad moment, a uh, pathetic moment in my life, and... uh I'm underneath the stadium there crying. <laughs> and then Tyson comes up to me. Now Tyson, Tyson was was not really a friend of mine, but Tyson was was good friends with one of my, one of my old friends, Jason. And, and and Jason was the toughest guy in the school. And so Jason saw me cry and sent Tyson to find out what was going on. And Jason and I used to be really good friends. We weren't at that point. And, uh, and so, so, so I tell Tyson, oh, Jason, what, uh, JJ wants to beat me up. And, I, you know. and so Tyson goes back to Jason. And Jason tells Tyson to tell to tell JJ, if you touch force, I'm going to kill him. Like You, you don't touch force. You, you leave force alone. And so Tyson goes and tells JJ, you know, hey, if you touch force, Jason's going to kill you. And, and, and so JJ hears that Jason's gonna gonna kill him if he touches four. So so JJ comes up to me after the game. Oh, I was just kidding, man. Totally joking, totally joking. We're cool, you know. So so I remember that was on a Friday. I remember going to, to school that Monday, walking walking into year seven that Monday. How do you think I felt? I walked into that school like, what's up, guys? Hey JJ, how's it going? Hey Chrissy, good to see you. Look at that, look at that. I mean, I was so confident. I was so confident because Jason had my back. So I didn't, I didn't need to sway, I didn't need to fear any longer because I understood who had my back. When we realize the Holy Spirit has our back, the ups and downs, the dry periods, the, the tough periods, the, the small periods of prayer,
1: they don't really
2: matter in the big picture if the Holy Spirit is interceding for us as we pray. So we just got to keep praying we just got to keep going to God and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will provide it. We have a prayer partner in the Holy Spirit. And that should inspire us and cause us to pray more and more in our lives. James Azalea is going to learn this in a word of prayer on that point at this time. Let's pray. Thank you. Prayer is a portal, a holiday, a conversation, a partnership, and so much more. So much more could be said today. Um, to close out, I read an insightful article uh, this past week when I was down for a couple of days with food poisoning. Amazing how much you can read when you can't do anything. Um, but I, I read this article. It was fascinating. Uh, I'll just read it to you. I once believed, uh, the writer says, that the moths that flutter around our porch lights were attracted by the glow. But scientists say this is not true. They believe that moths navigate their course in the darkness of night by calibrating their flight against the portion position of the moon. The moonlight is the moth's touch tone, the constant that allows it to orient itself and fly in a straight line. This is effective as long as the moth is not distracted from the moonlight. But the moth's best instincts have been sabotaged by the glitter and gleam of artificial lights. A moth that flies too close to a light bulb or a flame becomes disoriented and loses track of the moon. Its straight path deteriorates into a never-ending circle as it expends all of its energy, unable to get back on track. Eventually, the lost moth becomes exhausted, often landing on and dying with its artificial moon. The writer went on to say, When a moth loses sight of what will safely and steadily guide it, When it is distracted by something that is closer and brighter at the moment, it inadvertently creates its own demise. There are always flashy things in God's church. People, personalities, methods, ideas, conversions. There's always flashy things going on amongst God's people. But if we're not careful, those things can distract us. And they can lead to our spiritual demise. You know, in the midst of the flashiness, and I hope we have a lot of flash, amen, let's pray for the flash. That's not a bad thing.
1: You
2: know, in the midst of that, whatever we do, we cannot lose sight of our God. He is our moon, right? And we are the moths. If we get distracted by something that is closer and brighter in the moment, we may create our own demise. Prayer is an absolute touchstone in the church. We cannot lose sight of God. And one of the ways we lose sight of God is we lose sight of our prayer lives. It is vital. It is urgent, uh, that we, that we are a church known for prayer. It is vital, is there, that we, that we are a church that, that, that prays to their God. Uh, you know, we, we may not have this, we may not have that, but we can be a church that loves to pray. We can be a church that is known for their prayer lives. We can be a church that can change the world, I believe. Not because of us, through our prayer lives. We can be transformed. And we can transform our city. We can transform our nation. We can transform this world. That's how powerful prayer is. But we've got to get it. And we've got to live it. When it comes to prayer. Now if we get prayer and live prayer more. You know what great hope and possibilities lie before us individually. Each one of you individually. You know if you're not a Christian today. Maybe you've never even prayed. Maybe this is a, a new concept. Well, I, I'm sure after hearing this, you have an urge to, to think about talking to this Creator or to, to seek this Creator out. Please let us know how we can help you to, to develop that kind of a relationship with God that can, that can change you and change the world that you live in. And if you are a Christian, I want to encourage you to, to think about how your prayer life is really going. And and, and imagine if you grasp some of these concepts a bit more, just just the four that we looked at today, how your life perhaps might change. And and what if two of us get prayer in this church? How might the church change? What if ten of us do it? What if this whole side tonight, sitting here, gets the power of prayer a little bit more clearly and starts to change their prayer lives? How much would that affect the other or vice versa? I'm not trying to say sheep and goats here. You, You understand what I'm saying? But what if the whole room all of us from the youngest to the oldest gets a little bit more this concept of prayer what could happen what will happen is what i hope is the question we should be asking that we will take take prayer to heart this month and we will pray to get to God like never before. We'll pray together like never before. And God will do things we've, we've never seen Him do. Here in the church before. The practical to close out here. Because like we said. This is only going to be as powerful as we live it out. The practical this week. Is to take a little bit of extra time. You may not have a lot of extra time in a week. I understand that. And I respect that. But whatever extra time you do have this week. Maybe it's an early morning. Maybe it's, it's a day off. Maybe it's a late night. And just seek God through prayer. Seek God through your Bible Seek God through fasting Just really go after understanding this God That we just talked about a bit more In prayer and scripture Have a little mini retreat with God That's that's, that's your practical challenge And inspiration for this week Based on what we've looked at today From God's word I hope you'll go after that And I look forward to seeing How God will change us And change our church uh, Through our time of prayer together this month Uh, With that in mind Let's go ahead and close out with one more prayer Bow with me, please. Father, thank you. Uh, we are uh, so much in so many ways like those moths. We we think we're not frail. Oh, that's just a little. That's just a little insect. It can be crushed by anyone. Uh, yet God, uh, we are frail. We don't know what's going to happen in the next hour. We don't know what's going to happen in the next day. Uh, we are completely and totally dependent upon you for for the breath in our lungs. And so help us, God, to to be humble. Uh, and to, to know our place, God, in, in in light of such an amazing uh God that you are revealed as in Scripture. Uh but help us, God, uh to to not uh not be distracted by the shiny things and the and the bright things and the momentary things, God, that that are here today and gone tomorrow. Help us, God, to keep our, our focus and our and our hearts and our eyes fixed upon you. Uh help us uh to always make you the moon, God. Uh, as we flutter around like little moths in this life. Help us, God, to keep that touchstone of prayer in our lives. And help us, God, this week to be excited to anticipate that time with you, God. Maybe it's just an hour or two, God, but that that could transform us. That could change us, God. Because prayer is so many things. Uh, and prayer means so many things. And prayer can do so many things in our lives. Please help us, God, uh, not to be full of hype, but to be full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and to lead this place, uh, God, determined to be a more prayerful people. And we look forward to uh, the victories uh, and and, and the successes and the joys and the hopes uh, that will be fulfilled through our time of praying together this month. God, please bless our decisions and please bless this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand for one more song. Thank you.